Are you ready to listen to a podcast? This is TripleYourClients.com with your host, Andy Brown. Find, subscribe, and listen. Expert marketing advice to triple your clients today. Now you can start listening. Welcome to episode 44 of TripleYourClients.com podcast. My name's Andy Brown, and as ever, it's a sheer pleasure to have you on board Wherever you are, whether you're on the tube, the train, the bus, you're walking to work, maybe you're taking your children to school, you may be collecting them, you may be in the bath, you might be out for a run, you might be in the gym, wherever you are, thank you, because there are so many good business shows out there, and uh, I know that if you're taking a decision to listen to this one, you're saying no for this sort of quick half an hour to some others, and I really, really do appreciate that. Hopefully, I can give you some value in the next few minutes and some takeaways, and you can learn from some of my uh, insights that I pick up from the the sort of work that I do with clients, also some of the marketing and know-how that I talk about with other marketers up here in Scotland, also on the internet. And uh, all in all, hopefully it'll be a little bit entertaining, and you'll learn something from it. That's the name of the game, adding some value to your... um, your journey wherever you're going although if you're in a bath you're not going anywhere but yeah podcasting saved the day today because I was doing a 13 mile walk with a little bit of running but mostly walking as part of my training for my half marathon and uh, yes I'd stitch out all the favorites there and I was running through them meaningful tv self-publishing podcast Tim Ferriss startup podcast all sorts of shows I thoroughly enjoy. And then when the battery ran out, I was like at a loss. <laughs> I was like, what can I listen to? And all I could hear is the demons in my head going, oh, my foot hurts and my legs hurt. And shall I ring up my wife out to come and collect me? <laughs> oh, should I go and have a coffee? <laughs> you know, all these negative thoughts. But when I was into the podcast shows, I didn't even, they didn't even sort of come onto my radar. I wasn't even thinking about them. So yes, yes, thumbs up to podcasting. I really do think it's going to be an important factor in my tra- training. And I also have a, a few apps that help me with the uh, distance and the duration. And they're always good for confidence boosting and giving you the motivation that maybe you, you walked or run more, ran more miles than uh, you got to go. It's always a bit of a, an inspiration to get to the finishing line. So yes, and also on the health matters, my broken finger, which I suffered last August, uh, that was playing football with my nephew. I said, give it your best shot. Didn't have any gloves on and it hit the top of my finger and I suffered from what's called mallet finger. Uh, You see that cricketers suffer from that a lot, hardball just flicking the top of their fingers and you you break a tendon and you fracture a finger and it's you end up with like crooked fingers and I wore a splint for a couple of months a plastic one that was fun type, typing with that on and I just went to see the plastic surgeon who deals with the uh, the hand unit as they call it to see where anything could be done although it is basically okay now apart from being a little bit crooked and he said well if I if I operate on it then there could be a uh, you know, he'd probably do more harm than good. So that put me right off. I thought, right, we'll, we'll draw a line under it. There's people suffering a lot more than my my ring finger on my left hand. So we'll just get on with life. So it was quite good to just sort of say, right, we'll move on. And I haven't played golf for a long time, so I look forward to doing that in the next few weeks. I mean, it's been a bit cold up here in St. Andrews. I know the rest of the UK has been icy as well. And 
when you get uh, sub-zero temperatures, you can't play golf because the uh, the greens will suffer. Although, as I was walking this afternoon, I, I walked near the golf courses and I saw people out there playing on the golf courses. And uh, hopefully it'll stay mild, relatively mild this week, and I'll get out on the, the golf courses. So, yes, uh, it's been a fun week. Business-wise, been dealing with my VAT return. Seems to come around very quickly, but it's every quarter. Uh, that's all. I don't even do much hard work on it in so much I give it all to the bookkeeper, but it's just running through the numbers. It's like a, I know it's a necessary evil, and it's quite good to see what you're spending your money on and your expenditure. But And I've got tools like Cashflow, and I highly recommend Zero as well. But it does seem to uh, take up more time than it should, and I would prefer to be working on my own marketing and also uh, my client's marketing rather than working on the financial side. But probably if you're a solo business owner and you haven't outsourced those sort of uh, tasks, you can relate to that. If you've got your own uh, financial department in your business and you don't have to deal with it, then uh, hats off to you. I wish I was in that situation, but uh, I'm not. So... Let me talk about a number of different things that I think can help your business and straighten out maybe some of the myths and the problems you might be suffering or maybe you're wondering which direction to go in. I'm going to talk about content marketing, particularly how long an article should be, the benefits of writing high-quality content. I'm also going to talk about uh, hashtags and Instagram, some experiments I've been running. And I'm going to end with email marketing and how to build a list using kindle so recently i was asked how long should a piece of content be and it is kind of how long is a piece of string but there is a minimum length in my opinion and i reckon that should be between 800 900 a thousand words that sort of order that should be your minimum when i'm writing content for clients that's where i like to be and a lot of content's a lot longer And the reason why I say that is because I believe it has to be that long to fit uh, some of the rules that Google says a high-quality web content should be. And they wrote these back in 2011, but I'm just going to read them out. Uh, So if you can imagine you've just written a piece of content and you're judging whether it's of high quality, see if you can tick these boxes. Does the page provide substantial value when compared to other pages in search results? That's number one. Two, would you expect to see this article in a printed magazine, encyclopedia or book? And the last one, is this the sort of page you'd want to bookmark, share with a friend or recommend? These are three uh, statements that Google put out when people were asking them back in 2011, what is a high quality piece of content? And I believe that you have to have uh, certainly... 800 words plus of content to really answer a question in a relevant and unique way, maybe with with some examples, depends what you're talking about, rather than having a fluffy, say, three, four, five hundred word article. Uh, I will talk about, till the cows come home, a website called seat61.com. Written by a guy called Mark Smith, who's uh, passionate about train times and um, how to get from A to B, particularly from the UK to anywhere in the Europe and the rest of the world. He started writing it in 2001. Some of those pages that he's written back in 2001 still rank top of Google 15, 16 years on. 
For instance, I just put in train to France and there he is sitting at the top of Google and you can put in train to China and it's amazing. Thousands and thousands of words of content. One page will be um, five to 10, maybe 15,000 words long. The ultimate in content marketing, long form content. But when he was writing his content, people were playing tricks with Google. You know, they were doing black hat uh, tactics to try and get to the top of search engines. No one was going to sit there and almost write a mini book just for one post. But there he was. He was just plowing away, creating high quality, unique content. And there's a massive lesson there because here he is all these years later with content that's right at the top of Google. So he's written it once. And although train timetables have to be continually updated, he's got, he's done the meat of the article back in 2001, 2007, 2012. You know, he's always adding content, but even the older content is still ranking really, really high for some very competitive keywords. And also it's a very co- competitive landscape we have now. If you look at um, Airbnb and TripAdvisor and all the other travel websites, they weren't around back in 2001. So even with a competitive landscape we have now, his long-term or long-form content rather is listing and ranking very high. And it's a lesson for all of us there. So just a thought really, if you're going to write some content, why not make it something that is a real high quality and you know is going to stand the test of time? And uh, just a side note on that, just uh, I, th- I came across a website called Pixabay this week, P-I-X-A-B-A-Y, and they allow you to find and share images free of copyright. Now, up to now, I've been using images I find on Flickr, and you just have to make sure you're looking at ones which are which allow you to use them commercially, and you just have to tick a few boxes to make sure that the search is filtered. That's okay, although you have to put on each page the link to the license and the photographer. I'm, I'm caught with doing that, but it was quite nice to find a whole portfolio of images I could use, which I wouldn't even have to put any reference or linking out to these different pages where the license was. Also, on the same topic, there's a website called Unsplash, which is similar in so much you can just use the image and you don't have to put any reference to any photographer or license. That's U-N-S-P-L-A-S-H dot com. And the, the first recommendation by me was Pixabay, P-I-X-A-B-A-Y dot com. And uh, I mentioned images quickly there because if you do write a fantastic piece of content, you want people to notice it, particularly if you shared it on Facebook, Images count so much to get so much in terms of getting that conversion, that click through, because you can have a great headline, but you do need a great image at the top of your article to get the attention. And uh, we don't all have <laughs> the budgets to go out and hire photographers to do uh, individual photos that only we can use on our blog posts. So we have to look for these other websites to grab these images and use them on our posts. Worth doing, definitely worth doing. And uh, yes, hopefully you can also enjoy those resources. Now, the second topic I wanted to talk specifically about was hashtags on Instagram. And hands up, I have not been doing this. Or maybe if I put a golf course photo on my Instagram account, I might hashtag it golf course or St. Andrews. But what I'm talking about is a scope to add 30 different hashtags and actually reach out to people that you wouldn't necessarily... um, 
reach out to uh, in any other way. You know, you're you're actually uh, reaching out to different communities. And the, uh, the way to sort of highlight this and illustrate it is, I'm doing um, a kind of juicing diet at the moment. I did it last year, and I'm doing it this year. And I put up a photo with uh, some vegetables and <laughs> fruit, and uh, it was kind of my breakfast. And uh, I went online and I tried to find some hashtags which related to that. And uh, for example, well-being, hashtag well-being, hashtag healthy breakfast, eat clean, food matters, all these hashtags that I wouldn't necessarily um, guess at. I would have put in juicing and juicer and juice diet, but I wanted to look at beyond that to find some popular hashtags that people have been using. And I, I got up to about 30. And as soon as you post an image with all these hashtags, you get people that... Um, just would not have seen your image if you hadn't put the hashtag in. And more than that, they start having conversations with you and they start following you and you start building the community. And I tried it again on a photo of the, the packaging for the new mic I'm using on this show. And I put in some hashtags relating to podcasting. And then I got people come back and say, yes, that was a good choice to, to buy that mic. But then they also recommended some different apps to use. So it was really, really valuable. And I really, really recommend it. For instance, I had a photo this week, my Kindle book about self-confidence, 52 Ways to Improve Your Self-Confidence, was on a free offer, and I wanted to get exposure for that, and I had to go on Google and find out different hashtags, for example, live life, empower, self-worth, confidence, self-confidence, free book, and there's a whole list of them that I put um, alongside the image, and my call to action, obviously, was for someone to then go off to the... uh, page on Amazon and and download and they did hundreds of people downloaded and it wasn't all to do with Instagram but it did help it helps it helps a lot and this is just one of the few images that I have been testing hashtags with and I, in the future I'm going to do a lot more of it and I can see your own business by um, benefiting from this if you can actually develop like I say 30 different hashtags which relate to your community you're going to draw people in that wouldn't have found you otherwise. And then you can start having conversations and you can start maybe link, giving out links to pages where they're going to sign up for a different uh, downloadable products, free co- products or courses. You can build your list. The money's always in the list. So, yes, there's an audience out there on Instagram and this is one way to uh, attract them through your images. So next time you're posting an image, Don't just put one or two hashtags. Take the time to put in many, many more, which you can find by Googling on Google, obviously. So let's move on to the third topic, which is email marketing and how to build a list by using Kindle. Now, I already mentioned the money's in the list and the fundamental of most businesses should be for their for their website to build an email list that you can then reach out to uh, in time with content value even entertaining people and then making an offer now if it's an e-commerce site it's a little bit different because um, you're wanting to make the sale there and then but even even so you could be offering courses if people actually sign up for them but that one way or another a lot of your marketing should be geared around building your list using products like MailChimp or Aweber. Now, you're wondering, how does Kindle come into this? Well, I'm going to try and describe a very simple strategy that you might not have thought about, 
but is highly effective. If you imagine Amazon is a search engine, pretty much like Google, people are going to the Kindle store and they're searching on uh, words to solve their problems and they're getting a bunch of results, which are Kindle books, some are free, some are paid. Now, if you can write a book about your industry that you think is of value for prospects and clients and you're willing to give it away for free, and you, you should do, I mean, then people will download that book. If you've got a call to action at the beginning of the book and the end of the book, around 5% of the people will then sign up for your list. And the great thing is every second of the day, obviously people are signing, oh, sorry, are searching on Amazon and they're naturally finding free books and they would also download yours if you get the keywords right and the product description right and they're going to go onto your list. And you're thinking, well, not everyone's going to do that. Well, that's right. And typically about 5% of people that download your book will join a list if you give them an attractive offer. And obviously the offer will be maybe a free course. It might be even a second Kindle book, which works really well, which is I'm going to, I'm going to try and implement in the future. I've got two more books coming out and I'm looking to uh, use that strategy. Now, you might also be saying, well, on Amazon, you can't have a, a free book. You can have a five-day promotion, you can have a two-day promotion, but you can't have a book that is permanently free. But Amazon do offer price matching, and you can take advantage of that by putting your book up on what's called Smashwords, and you don't charge anyone to download on that platform. And then you ask Amazon, just by simply emailing them, saying, look, my book is uh, free on Smashwords. Can you price match it? And then all of a sudden, maybe within a week, your book is free on Amazon. And then, because it's free, you get hundreds of people download it. If you get the keyword uh, keywords right, you can put seven keywords into your uh, uh, login when you use the KDP platform. And also you can set two categories. I'm going to talk about that more in other shows, but you, once you set up your book and made it attractive and appealing to your market and findable, a bit like a SEO with uh, Google, once you ticked a few boxes there, you're going to have a constant supply of people looking for information on your industry and you're going to present a first-class professional book with a first-class professional cover because that is so critically important because first impressions count, so you need to spend a few hundred dollars there to make sure you're using a graphic designer who knows how to design a book cover. And then, like I say, they're going to open up your book. They have a call to action at the beginning and also at the end and in the middle. You've got all your content, and that's a great traffic driver to your email list. And I'm going to be using more of that in the future, that technique, and I'll be talking more about it. Most of the things I'm talking about now have been described online by a guy called Nick Stevenson, an English guy. Check out his resources. If you put in uh, Nick Stevenson self-publishing into Google, you'll find a number of podcasts where he's spoken, also his own websites. And he also offers a number of different videos, which I thoroughly recommend if you're looking to uh, publish a book on Kindle and uh, use it as a traffic generator for your email list. So... Hope that's been of value, touching on how long content should be and why it should be maybe longer than the blog post you're currently writing. Uh, the value of building a list using Kindle and maybe opening your eyes a little bit to the advantages of putting some hashtags into Instagram. All the talk at the moment is about Instagram being the platform this year. It's almost like a, a hyping, hyping uh, up a product over others. 
and uh, I guess I guess it's uh, taking taking storm and it's been successful because I'm on it more. I'm on it more than Twitter. I'm seeing more engagement, more comments, and maybe it's just uh, being fueled by all the all the hype. But it certainly is a platform where you can gain more people that are interested in your product and your information, and it's not to be dismissed. And uh, I always say that a business should be a, a content publisher on your trip to work. And when you come back from work, you should always be thinking about what content can I offer out to my market. And it doesn't always have to be related directly to your business. That's why I put in pictures or put up pictures of juicing and the, the tools I use to podcast sometimes the golf courses, because people buy people, don't they? They don't always want to be seeing uh, content directly related to your offering. They want to see the people behind the company. That's why, that's why I talk about email marketing a lot and say, look, you've got to have a mix of your business and your personal life within an email, and that way people can gel and bond with you and trust you. And it doesn't have to be these colourful newsletters, which are all sort of corporate speak, and there's no personality behind them. And at the end of the day, you delete them very quickly because you don't gain anything from them. You don't certainly don't build up any trust. So come from this personal angle. You set the limits on how much personal information you want to give away. And once you do, continue to talk about those subjects. I always talk about this story of a friend of mine. Uh, she was a Reiki master. And once she got her dog, I persuaded her to mention her dog in every monthly newsletter and she said no one's going to be interested in my dog and sure enough as soon as the first newsletter went out she got the greatest response ever from that newsletter compared to all the others and she continued to have little messages and uh, stories about her dog in all her newsletters and that's what always got the most feedback and the one month where she left out any reference to her dog she got a lot of feedback asking what's happened to her dog and she couldn't believe it. And so that, that was a lesson learned. And yes, if you've got a dog or a pet, uh, or if you, well, if you want to talk about your children, you don't have to give their real names. It just depends uh, how open you are. But any kind of, uh, real life reality type of storytelling that you can, uh, mix up into your business uh, offering, that you make compelling and entertaining will, will, will do you, you know, will really give you the success you want from email marketing. Make it simple. Make it look like a personal email. Just stick to one font, one link out to the uh, website. You don't have to do overkill with lots of bolding and different colors and images because as soon as it looks like a business email, that's where your open rates will drop. It sounds a bit illogical, doesn't it? Because you want to look professional, but uh, trust me, Go simple, go with, uh, a bit like the last podcast we talked about, uh, Obama, um, the presidential campaign emails, where they got very casual with their headlines. And you can imagine people saying, well, no one's got open nose. It just looks so unprofessional. But they're the ones that created the, <laughs> the largest donations. So go figure. It's just the way that we're built. We're how we're wide. We want, we're nosy. We want to hear stories. And that's that's one of the reasons, apart from I enjoy talking about it, why I talk about my running and <laughs> spoke about my finger and Scotland and St Andrews, because I want to differentiate myself from other marketers, and I want to see you to I want you to see that you, you know you're, you're tuning in, you want to hear a bit a little, little bit of storytelling, but you also see that it compels you to find out 
you know, what's, what's going on next week. And that's the same way that your customers and prospects will, uh, li- will engage with your company. I'm watching a lot of Dexter and, uh, House of Cards at the moment on Netflix. It's terrible, you know, <laughs> you get to the last minute and you go, right, that's it. I'm not going to watch another show. And then just at the right at the very end, they leave you on a cliffhanger, don't you? It's like soap operas. And you're just compelled to watch the first 10 minutes of the next show. Before you know it, you're into it. And again, you get to another cliffhanger at the end. And that's essentially how your email marketing should be, where you build in these cliffhangers at the end of the email and open loops where you talk about something, but you don't conclude it until the next email. And that's how to keep your um, list engaged and to keep your open rates high, to always be doing this storytelling and to understand that if you leave a cliffhanger, and you refer to what you're going to talk about next month and how they're going to benefit from it if you're doing a monthly email or next week, depends how, you, how many you're sending out. If you structure your emails like that, then you'll be a lot more successful than just sort of ending an email and then saying nothing more about what they're going to learn next week, nothing about your personal life. Sure enough, next month, your open rates will probably go down because they didn't enjoy it, they didn't learn any more about you, and you didn't offer any value business or entertainment terms so it's something to sort of bear in mind i'm sorry i'm sort of going on about this but it is so critically important so hopefully hopefully you enjoyed the show my mouth's going dry <laughs> i don't know why i've been speaking for 25 minutes but that's that's the name of the game um hope you enjoyed the show yes it's been another week hopefully we can get back next monday morning talk about our successes i'll talk about what's been going on with uh, clients, marketing lessons, know-how, internet. And here's a fact. Before I go, I learned this on the Tim Ferriss show. If you took a piece of paper, this is a bit weird, a bit out there, but if you took a piece of paper, you know that you can't fold it more than eight times. Maybe as a kid, your parents have said, look, I'll give you something if you can fold this paper, this piece of paper more than eight times. You physically can't do it. But pretend you could fold that paper more than eight times. If you could fold it, say, 50 times, how high do you think that paper would be? Actually, if you could fold it 50 times, it would reach the sun. <laughs> so just uh, just imagine doing that. Just thought it was a wacky sort of a image and story in my mind. And uh, there's me as a kid trying to fold a piece of paper nearly eight times. But if I could just do it 50 times, I'd reach the sun. Very weird. But that's the kind of stuff you, l- you learn on the Tim Ferriss Show. I thoroughly love it. Check it out. Until next week, take care. Speak to you soon. Have you ever wished you had more visitors to your business website? Where you switch a button and instantly benefit from a steady, consistent stream of new potential clients and customers. One such proven way to do this is by using Google AdWords. Unfortunately, many businesses fail to take advantage of this opportunity, make huge mistakes, and waste their marketing budget. This is why I recommend you head over to TripleYourClients.com and grab Andy's free 44-page report on the 17 ways to maximize your Google AdWords ROI today. Simply enter your name and email on the homepage to have full access to Andy's special report within seconds. (laughs) 